Hey everybody and welcome to the Wellness That Works podcast. Hi Lily. Hi Sam, how are you today? I'm okay, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm feeling a bit guilty that I haven't been to the gym the last couple of days and I, I think our guest might have something to do with that. I think our guest might put us to shame. Yes. Um, because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything at the moment. I did a couple of runs the other day. But oh, when well, I there say, you go. When I say a couple of runs, it's nowhere near what this guy does. So, no. so um, a little bit of background. So after quitting his job of 12 years, Jamie has committed his life to pushing his perceived boundaries. So he's on adventure challenges, running, cycling, and he's literally just got back from an 80-day UK cycling adventure riding over 10,000 kilometres. So uh, very lucky to have him, considering he probably should be asleep. Hi, Jamie. Good morning. How you doing? We're good. But more importantly, how are you doing? <laughs> As you just said, yeah, I quite like to be asleep. <laughs> but my body is on is on a kind of like come down after after the big adventure. And it's weird. It takes it takes about a week to get over it um, mentally and physically. So I'm in the middle of that process. So this latest adventure, we'll talk about that first, since it's, it's it's literally just ended. What tell us about it? What what have you just done? So the latest one. So this actually the whole planning behind this started two thousand and twenty. I was approached by Hall Earth Peanut Butter, who is one of the Team GB suppliers, and they asked me to cycle from London to Tokyo for the Olympics. And I had tickets to the Olympics, and it was going to be amazing. I was going to go across Europe. Going to go across. Uh, Russia, South Korea, and Japan is all going to be naturally powered and uh, naturally fueled, human powered, all that kind of stuff. We were going to take yachts across all the bits of water. It was wow. going to be amazing. And then obviously COVID happened. Oh. So it all got postponed and we were going to do it again this year. So we got excited about doing it again this year. Then COVID happened again. So um, we weren't going to let COVID beat us. So we looked at what's the distance from London to Tokyo in a straight line. And then we plotted that journey around the UK and Northern Ireland and then kind of went right 80 days can you do 10,000 kilometers and uh, that was the challenge that finished on uh, Friday morning the 23rd of July so yeah oh my goodness so actually you've turned something that could have been quite disappointing and I'm sure it was disappointing because what an epic you know journey that would have been into something quite positive um and and involving our own great country um so tell us a bit about about how you got to this point so you you gave up your job yeah so I worked in the city uh, I worked in London for 12 years um and I the only way I can describe it is I was kind of a bit of a rudderless ship when I kind of came out of university and I kind of just followed the flow and went with what I thought other people expected of me. So like parents and watching what my brothers and my friends were doing and they, everyone was going to the city. So I just kind of followed yeah. that path, ended up in London, got a job. They paid me. So I had no passion behind it or I didn't get much satisfaction. It, it's not a bad, it's not, wasn't a bad job. It just didn't fit with what I wanted to be doing. Um, yeah. And there were lots of incredibly positive things about it. I got to meet some inspirational people um, but at the end of the day I was only there to pick up the paycheck at the end of each month and yeah. then you get tied into this kind of 
you know, everything, you need a bigger house, you need a bigger, a better car, you need this bigger holidays, and then you get paid more. And then you just kind of keep going up this ladder. And after 12 years, I noticed from kind of like a, uh, a mental and physical point of view, I, it just wasn't good for me. I was trying to find escapism through like, I was going to the gym, like sometimes two times, three times a day, uh, doing endurance wow. adventures on one side. And then on the other side, partying, going out to the pub the whole time. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. finding all these escapisms. And then one day I just woke up and thought, you know, um, I'll, I'll drop the fact that I woke up on the floor of the bathroom of my office. So I woke up and thought, you know, this is just not, it's not normal. Yeah. So I kind of racked through my brain and went, when was the last time you were truly happy, content, felt like you were fulfilled? Um, and it had been this run that I'd done in Vietnam, uh, which was a 240 kilometer race. Uh, and that's there's a whole story behind that, but the the kind of takeout was it was was as I sat at the end in this little shack in a in a village in the middle of nowhere by myself sipping a cold beer. I was like, I've done something that I'm proud of, and um, I'm happy and content and I'm fulfilled. So when I was fast forward back to when I woke up and realized I had to make some changes, I was like, I need to get that feeling into my life and I need to make that the pursuit what I'm trying to get to there the whole time yeah rather than just surviving I want to be living um so yeah I quit my job flew to Canada and then ran to Argentina I think I I literally think I finished my job on like the 28th of July and I was in Vancouver on the started my run on the 15th of August wow so I was just kind of like, it was just, I, I needed to get out and do something different and, yeah, you know, running, incredible. traveling, meeting people, pushing myself. That was where I got a, achievement, um, a sense of achievement from. Yeah. So I just put it all together and just blindly ran, Forrest Gumped it down the West Coast of the Americas. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like we always on this podcast talk about how exercise isn't a punishment for your body. It isn't like it shouldn't be seen as a chore because it should be that escape from daily life it should be that way to clear your head and basically you just do that on quite a quite a large level right so I do on quite a large level but I still suffer the same the exact same uh feelings about doing exercise that everyone else does so I've just finished um so I've just finished this adventure and you know, I've now I'm now moving on to the next one, and I'm trying to get my mind around the fact like, oh, we've got to go for a run now, and it's like, oh, yeah. And I know that because I haven't run for months because I've been training for cycling. You know, I'm still going to find that first kilometer really difficult. The three kilometers, I'm going to be dreading getting up every day. But I know that once you break the back of that first like month, then your mind feels sharper, your body feels better, you feel more awake, you are going to start achieving more. And then when you start achieving more, that month of pain kind of dissolves. So, yeah, it's still as difficult, even though you do it every day. For sure. And obviously you are a brand ambassador for Runner's Need. Um, Runner's Need are now a partner of WW. And we've got an amazing offer at the moment where all of the WW members get 15% off the shop. So if any of our listeners are looking for new running gear, any other exercise gear, there's, you know, great stuff on there. And I know that they also offer a gait analysis, which um, obviously helps you ensure that you've got the right shoes for your feet for whatever your activity is. So was running always kind of the first exercise that you had a passion for? Or was it just kind of, I'll have a go at anything? 
Um, so quickly on your gait analysis thing, yeah, I would sure. just just to say to people, because like, you speak to a lot of people, I speak to a lot of people, and they're like, oh, I, I don't like running because I get sore knees or I get sore ankles or I get this. And you're like, have you got good, good running shoes? And they go, yeah, I've got Nike. And you're like, that doesn't Oh my God, anything. you literally just attacked me on a personal yeah. level, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> But so everyone runs differently. Everyone has yeah. a different style. The shoes are designed to be able to adapt and protect your body from those. So if you go and you walk into a running shop and the person says, you should have these really horrible lime-colored green shoes, take them because they're the ones that are actually allow you to run. So yeah. anyway, that aside. Some of them um, are the ugliest running shoes and you've got to get, <laughs> I mean, I had to get yeah. through this sort of whole vanity side of it yeah. just to get a decent pair of running shoes. Um, and But when you're running, it feels like you're running on clouds versus, Ooh. you know, because so you, you are so, so supported. You should just buy two pairs of trainers, especially if you're getting 15% off. You buy yeah. one, for, one, for going, there. one for going to wherever you're going to do sports so you look cool. And then when you're doing it, you can just wear the right ones and flip back. But um, no, running has always been for me kind of like, I, I started off like the, the pictures of when I asked my mum to send me some fit pictures, they're of me running as a toddler and all this kind of like, so I'm always, I've always been a kind of active person. And then at school, I was, I was the guy who was at the back of the, 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 we had Monday morning runs. I was the guy who walked at the back with my best mate. Um, uh, and this went on for a while until my kind of one of the teachers came up and literally, because they were allowed to in those days, kicked me up the ass and said, if you're not at the front, you, you're in detention. Um, wow. So I decided to give it a go. And I ended up coming first. And then I was in, <laughs> in the captain of the cross country running team, like all in the space <laughs> of like a year. So suddenly realized I could run. And then it kind of disappeared into sports. So I did rugby and hockey and uh, squash and that kind of stuff and didn't pick up running again until I was like 25. Um, and did, it's the classic story that everyone says, bunch of guys, go to the pub, let's do a marathon. And we yeah. all kind of ended up going and doing a marathon. And then I remember when I finished the marathon, you know, I did it way quicker than I thought I was ever going to do it. And I even rem- remember sitting, it was in Stockholm. I was in the old stadium and, uh, We'd all said, oh, yeah, we'll be back four, four and a half hours. So all the people who come to watch us weren't there when I came through in three and a half hours. And uh, so I was sitting there alone and a little tear went down my cheek. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually, that's quite emotional. So I obviously swore I would never do another marathon again. But two years later, I was back in France. And then, yeah, and then running has always been quite key for me since then. And you obviously said that... um you you need a bit of a break between each challenge a to rest but b to you know then retrain yourself for whatever mm. the next adventure is so what kind of process do you go through in this kind of gap period and i guess how do you get back into the mindset of it because like you said you you've just finished and you're kind of like oh yeah so how are you feeling up right again. now yeah <laughs> so it's kind of weird because i i said that but i'm horrible at doing what I meant to be doing so I finished on Friday yeah and then on Saturday I went mountain biking Sunday I went mountain biking in Wales so I completely ignored that advice um yes Monday was the first day I actually took off and then today I've taken off I did I basically tried to do like so yoga um and that kind of stuff and then I'll get into I'm really into skipping I actually miss my skipping I like there's a girl called Lauren Jumps on the 
Instagram. Yeah. And just watching what she she didn't skip until the beginning of lockdown, and then she's now like this phenomenal skipper. So I kind of I've just bought a skipping keep... rope. Wow. Oh, look up Lauren Jump. Look, she's here in, it is. Hugely inspirational. Oh, amazing. <laughs> It's such a good, it's such a cool, it. <laughs> it's great because you can skip and then you suddenly learn a trick and then you're like, I had no idea I was yeah. going to do that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know, the, the reason I left running was because I got injured. So cycling became like an alternative when I couldn't run. Okay. And then it was also because I realized I was proving to myself I could do something. I was like, I've run 17,000 kilometers, then I ran 700 kilometers, then I ran 430 kilometers. I was like, I've proven that I can do this. So then I had to do cycling. And then that process then led to hiking, which then led to um, mountaineering. I've just bought a mountain bike. I've got a stand-up paddleboard. I've gone for ski touring. So I've now, rather than being this one sport person, I'm trying to like all different types of human-powered adventuring. I'm trying to have all the toys so I can flick between each one um, and kind of just do lots of different things. But I do, I have been missing running massively. So running is coming back into the fold because I need to it's the one that brings me the most joy it's the one that I feel has the most effect on how I feel mentally physically and how I look um yeah like how how it changes my body so and how you feel afterwards the achievement as well I assume when you go for a run it's not just like 5k it's oh no seriously when I'm at home I probably run 10k right uh, but then I'll sometimes go up to the mountains and do longer stuff. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't, it's a lot of, I think a lot of when you're doing the endurance stuff, a lot of it's mental. Mm-hmm. So it's the, Absolutely. It's the fact of believing that you can keep going all day. You don't, you obviously can't train your body by running that distance every single day because mm-hmm. your body wouldn't hold up to that. So you have to train the mind and it's definitely the mind after this adventure. The mind is the bit that needs the most rest afterwards because you really have to put everything into it. So for the last 80 days, I have very rudely um, basically ignored everyone and ignored life. Because um, yeah. you basically sit on the bike. I spoke to my mum, my sister, and maybe one or two friends. But that was it for three months. You just tunnel um, and you become incredibly rude. You come, you're like, you basically, you just like so Well, it's, it's having to be selfish, isn't it? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. having to just truly focus. Yeah. And then you get Tunnel to the last vision. week and, and you're like, oh, wow, I now have to phone this person, this person, this person, this person, <laughs> apologize for being so rude over the last three months. I have to rebuild all those bridges. Um, and also you just kind of, there's a, like, bizarrely, because I have, I finished this adventure because of COVID and everything, I've not gone home. Mm-hmm. So I'm still living out of bags. So my mind is really struggling because it's like, you're meant to be finished, but you're, you're still moving. And you're, you're in limbo. You're bags. And mm. so... I think when I finally get home on the, if I'm allowed to get home on the sixth of August, then I'll feel like I'm. But can, I, yeah, I, I, day day two after like the second morning after I finished, I was on Instagram first thing, e- emailing the um, organisers of things like 1,200 kilometre races across the Atlas Mountains, across Kyrgyzstan, uh, looking up 10k swims and all this. Like it was like I need I need to get need my next my next, next things in place, otherwise what's the point like we're just sitting around doing nothing so I always need something normally I have two or three adventures planned so the adventure I'm on is in my mind is nothing more than a training exercise for the next one so I don't put too much pressure on the actual adventure and then and then what that means is that I don't celebrate so I never celebrate at the end I just get to the end and then 
I'll we'll celebrate for one. you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else around can celebrate for you yeah. the fact that you've got through it. But I kind of I don't I don't celebrate because I don't like to think it's important because if it's important you put too much pressure. Pressure. On. So That's if you so just true. if you yes, just in, yeah, I get like, that. people don't go to work every day and think God in eighty days I'm going to pat myself on the back because I went to work for eighty days. You just go to work for eighty days. Yeah. My job is to do what I do, so I try and bring the same mental thing into it. That's so, yeah, that's so interesting because I, I've talked about this before, but I, I went through a running phase, like learned to run from scratch basically, and then got quite into it. But I became so obsessed with Strava and wanting oh, to God. share when I got a personal best and all of that. Yeah. And it took over and then it made me completely go off running because I felt yeah. the pressure to keep logging on and sharing what I'd done. And then I thought oh, people are going to think I've like, quit and then I had because I just didn't want to be a part because of it because it became anymore. about other people yeah, yeah so that's than so you. true yeah. that you say about that so and that's the um, problem with social media and apps and absolutely things. we become so um focused on what other people think we we become obsessed that we think that other people are checking out us when yeah. they're not they're just trying no. to push their stuff out so people because they think everyone's looking at them but actually no one's really looking at anyone and if you just do it for the pure enjoyment um, you know, I, I, I noticed that it's like when I'm on these adventures, like for 80 days, I didn't really, use, I, I use social media to post, but I didn't consume it. And, uh, I, I kind of like called it like I was doing, not viewing. Um, mm-hmm. and then, but when you go and look at like search something on Instagram and you see what it's pushing towards you, it's the most depressing thing in the entire world. You're like, this is who the internet thinks I am. Yeah. Um, I'm not this person. I So I just try and not look at Instagram now. Well, and especially that. when you're, you know, obviously not through lockdown, but b- before that, you're traveling the world. You're seeing the most beautiful sights while you're out on your runs, cycles, whatever. You want you wanted that escapism. So why would you take it with you yeah. On, yeah. on that trip? And I, I think... Um, it must be interesting as well for you when you're out on these challenges, you're seeing the most beautiful pieces of land, you know, uh, Mm. I can imagine the Andes in particular was beautiful. So you want to be able to stop, take it in a little bit, you know, and not be worrying about what time you're making. And I think I've noticed that with people as well. They won't stop and appreciate where they are because they're like, right, we've got Mm. to reach our personal best or whatever. So do you ever have that kind of battle with yourself or is there pressure like that i I have the slight battle that i'm quite self-competitive so i'm not really competitive against other people i am but i'm not (laughs) too bad but i like to my whole thing i get so it sounds weird when i ran across iceland uh back in 2019 i had a friend come out and join and then i also picked up this polish guy who was like he was injured so i kind of took him under my wing a bit um and we ran ran as a three and i was like I could only run 50k a day. I get my enjoyment from the 50 to the 70 when at the end of the day when you're pushing yourself and when you have to stop, you're like, oh, I'm not really getting enjoyment. So I need to be pushing forward at all times. Wow. So, um, But I do appreciate what you said. Like I always make sure I turn around and look back where I've been. Yes. Like always yeah. the view, don't just focus on the view in the front because the view behind is as good as the one you're looking at. So yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're going up mountains, which it sounds like you do a lot of. <laughs> oh, mountains are the best. The three peaks. You did the three peaks in record time, didn't you? I've got oh, I see. I, I could sit here and go, yes, I did in record time. It's a bit of a hollow record. So oh, okay. I, I went out there and I ran. I, I was like, how can I do something in the UK with my twist on it? 
So I went to bed nervous, climbed it, ran to the next one, climbed that, ran to the next one, carried everything on my back. And then about a year later, some guy rang me up, uh, emailed me and said, oh, can you help me? I'm trying to beat your record. And I was like, my record? I don't have any records. It's like, yeah, your record for doing three peaks. It turns out I was the first person to do it. Ah. So I obviously set the record. Right. Um, but I didn't break any records. But okay, uh, and the guy went on to smash my record. And this is when I know I'm. <laughs> this is when I know I'm competitive because I was like, "Well, you had a support vehicle, um, so I did it by myself." So I think we should have this. Should now be categories. Um, but uh, I love that. <laughs> but you get this competitive thing comes everywhere. Like I, I'm cycling around the UK doing ten thousand k, and I hear about Nick Butter running around the UK, and I'm like, "Oh my god, he's doing something better than me." And you're like how can't you be content with the fact that you're doing it on a bike which is a completely different sport um, yes. but the competitive side's like oh damn so it's just naturally there in some yeah. people and it's not in others so I I totally get where you're coming from and I would have picked up on the fact that he had support vehicles mm. on the three peaks but um <laughs> it's yeah it's just it's just one of those things isn't it that it's in you um to feel that way and it makes you sometimes it makes you feel really petty but you know you said you want to do it now, Sam, don't you? I do. Yeah, well, that peaks. was a before COVID thing. Yes, the three yeah. peaks. Not, I won't run it. I won't. <laughs> I won't be running. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'll they're be beautiful. climbing. They're, they're yeah. beautiful places. Um, on the last trip I just did, I the one thing that killed me on this cycle was I climbed Ben Nevis in the morning, and then ran down it, and then jumped on the bike and cycled seventy kilometers to the Isle of Skye. And it was like day 55, I'd not had any problems at all. And then I woke up on day 56 and I could hardly move. Like that combination of running, climbing and uh, cycling all together Mm. uh, for like five days, my legs were so stiff, but um, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Ben Nevis, get there very early in the morning because it's like the highway. There's so many people. Uh, Yes, yeah, I've heard it gets really busy. Yeah. And that's, that's made me think of another question, which isn't on our list, so apologies. But we talk, and it's become a bit of a joke now, about stretching on this podcast a lot and how we maybe don't stretch enough after we've been to the gym or we've been for a run. And we, we know the importance of it. But how don't on earth do you... This. Yeah, how do you do deal with doms? Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I don't do any stretching in the morning. I don't do any stretching in the evening. So your body's um, just kind of used to it. I think it is kind of used to it. what I do find quite useful is that I I don't lie around too much. So okay. when I finish whatever I'm doing, I'm setting up the tent straight away, then making my dinner, then I get into bed. As soon as I wake up, I'm out of You're the, up. the yeah. tent yeah. and I start doing moving things. and I'm doing I'm packing up and I'm uh, and also in my my videos back from running the Americas, I'm quite prone to a dance. So I quite often like dance around my campsite because <laughs> you're by yourself, no one around. Yeah. And I think that kind of dancing kind of helps get you in the mood yeah. and it also stretches you a little bit. It's cool down. But then stretching is very important. Like I know that all the injuries I've had pretty much have come from not stretching. So yeah. um, like, even though I can do it, if I stretched, I would be better. So I should stretch. Yeah. And you've probably just got really strengthened feet in terms of blisters and all sorts, because that's what goes through yeah. my mind when I hear 10,000 K. I didn't have yeah. a, I didn't have a K. single blister on the 17,000 K run. Not one. Oh, oh my God. God. And that I didn't have no saddles, no saddle sores on this cycle. I just didn't, just doesn't, something that I don't really get. So, wow. Oh, um, you're very lucky. I am very lucky. Or maybe you just have, yeah, built up the 
the hardest immunity immunity. yeah (laughs) that's why i always think when people say oh you know i'm gonna do the london marathon for instance and then you see their feet afterwards and i think oh no that it comes back to having the right the right socks the right shoes yeah, 15% you know, you know, that's off. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 right, like people, isn't it's like people buy these double layered socks and they try and find the most technical. Like I run in the cheapest socks I can find. Yeah. Um, uh, as long okay. as they're comfortable and they fit properly. Yeah, um, exactly. It's the movement that yeah. that creates the, the friction. Yeah. So you talked about um, when you're camping and, you know, you're getting ready after a day of running or cycling or whatever you're doing. We like to talk about food a lot on this podcast. And I was just thinking, you obviously need to fuel yourself in a certain way, I guess, mm. to do all of this. But you're probably normally in the middle of nowhere. So what's the deal? What what do you normally yeah. fuel yourself so, on? And yeah, like what are the best things you find? Yeah, it's, it, it is difficult and it depends. It, it really depends where you are as to what fuel you're, you're going to be taking. So... So for this trip, obviously very lucky, there are lots of supermarkets. So um, I would carry a tiny backpack and then in the evening I would buy dinner and lunch um, and put it in the backpack, cycle to where I was, set up camp, eat it. Um, I was obviously working with a whole lot of peanut butter, so I was eating, I ate peanut butter every day. I had it on <laughs> deep fried Mars bars, deep fried haggis, smoked oh, mackerel pate, wow. <laughs> uh, Welsh cakes, fish and chips, pork pies, peanut butter and all of that. Um, wow. And, you know, the difficult thing is you are you're eating like five to six thousand calories you're burning five to six thousand calories a day so you have to fuel it yeah you do sometimes fall into the trap of like sugar which is a nightmare because mm-hmm. it affects your stomach it affects your mood it affects all that kind of stuff so the more real food you can eat the better um but then you do trips like uh trekking across the um between the Heiji trail in utah it was 36 days i think there were three shops you could stop at the whole time oh you goodness. were there so like for that you know, we went out before and dug a hole and planted a bin bag full of food in the middle of the desert and then put a stick on top and then you go and find it and you refuel. Wow. So that day, you know what you're eating. You know you're having um, porridge in the morning with coffee. Then you're having a, a kind of muesli bar. Then for lunch, you're having a tortilla with peanut butter uh, or tuna or one of each. And then in the evening, you're probably going to have a hot meal, um, which is probably just instant noodles and more tuna um and then you have no choice uh but then you go to somewhere like the andes and there's quite a lot of lorries traveling around and also less people have fridges so they eat out more so there's a lot more options to have food on the road which is cheap so you can actually survive pretty much by going to cheap restaurants so when people are like oh you're in the middle of nowhere it's like yeah but the people who live there live a different way of life so yeah slot into the way they live um so yeah, one of my favorite. Have you got a favorite adventure? Were you going to tell us about a favorite food then? Because I'm. <laughs> I thought that's where Sam that. was going. I was going to say. Gonna food. say <laughs> well, my 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 the favorite food like is too, too difficult because I've eaten the most amazing things and the most and the most random things all over the world. I do just have this one when I did the Vietnam run. I do remember I'd had to get up earlier and earlier every day to get away from the heat. So I remember just sitting on plastic um, plastic chairs on the side of a road eating Vietnamese but street boat. food oh, yeah, and just yeah. eating it with like all the locals on their oh, way to work and it's like for some reason that kind of the broth and the noodles and the mint and the, all that that's together lovely. Oh, this love was it. just an amazing but favorite adventure that's too difficult because they've all got 
their moments like They're cycling so across cycling across the salt flats of uni when it was flooded it was going to be one of the most beautiful things i've ever done um yeah running across iceland it wasn't the adventure i wanted it to be but actually when i look back at the bleakness of it that's quite appealing running across the andes was amazing and the atacama desert australia i, I didn't think i enjoyed it that much but my mind is trying to plan another trip there so i obviously did um so you kind of this is more like days that you um you love rather than the whole yeah. adventure together yeah i can see i can see why you think that and also interesting that whilst you're in it like you say iceland and the bleakness Mm. of it I mean it sounds awful and yet you've come away and you look back and you've got some of your favorite moments yeah oh so. it's always way when, when you look at an adventure you don't come back and go well that was a beautiful day flat, <laughs> flat cycling sun I loved it the days you 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 hold on to the like it was raining I was cold I didn't feel my feet for five hours um and there was no food and I had to climb 2700 meters of climbing and all these things and you're like it was the best day ever um so it's just it's just how the mind works um I think they call it type two fun type two so type one you enjoy in the moment type two you 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 look back on with fond memories I've never heard that I've never heard that that's really interesting yeah and it makes you realize the kind of perspective of of life and what you're going Mm. through at the time And I remember you saying earlier that obviously you're normally on your own and you don't really talk to anyone in that time because you're focused. But how do you deal with kind of loneliness when you're out doing that? Or do you not really feel that? Um, I think there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Uh, loneliness is something you feel when it's in a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, it's a negative thing. You feel lonely, you feel alone. And you do get moments of that. Um, obviously when you're on these big trips, you, you suddenly you'll think of something and, rather than it disappearing from your mind, you'll churn it for like eight hours thinking, oh my, I did this thing. And this tiny thing will come the worst mm. thing you've ever done in your yeah. entire life. Um, and, but I don't get that too much. Solitude is something I incredibly, I enjoy. I love being alone. I love my own company. I love the ability just to be able to push myself at my speed. Um, was someone famous, they say something like, solitude is amazing if you know who you're going to have a conversation with at the end of it or something like knowing there's an end to it yeah as long as you know there's an end then it's going to be okay it's the unknown solitude which is the hard one but I don't really get that I normally get to places and I think oh god I just want to leave this place everyone keeps asking questions leave me alone (laughs) you want to get back out yeah yeah you're in your zone I think I'd be scared being alone with my own brain though for 80 days the, the conversations I'd have with myself and yeah, but things I'd flip, overthink. On the flip side, you have the positive. So, you know, when you, no matter what you set out to do that's difficult, so you have, we, I, the way I look at it is we, live, we are in the middle of a circle and our circle is our perceived um, um, limitations of what we can achieve. As soon as you push that circle back a bit, it grows in such a huge way that you suddenly realise all the other things you can do because you've just achieved that. And then... So there's a new boundary and then you want to push that and you keep pushing. And every time you push it, you realize how much more you're capable of. And that's addictive. And you kind of and it's that that keeps you going. Like when you run up, I ran ran over the Andes. It was four thousand eight hundred meters. I was running, pushing a 50 kilo baby scroller. Like I did never thought I'd be able to do that when I started. But when I got there, I was I wasn't like sitting there going, oh, my God, this is how amazing am I for doing this? I was thinking, 
oh my god, what else could I do? If what I can do can this, do? Mm. there's like this has opened a whole new realm of things. So I think rather than people sitting there going, I'm too scared to push that boundary, they should try it doesn't matter how small it is, just push it a little bit and suddenly yeah. you'll end up doing something different. And then you'll be like, oh my God, I did that. So now I can go, I'll, I'll try this thing. And it doesn't have to be in sport. It can be in anything. It can be though. in life. That's yeah, what just I'm anything. just thinking. You can, like, anybody can apply this to their life. Oh yeah, 100%. And it's um, it's just about taking the pressure off everything. Like, we all put so much pressure on the future and everything we need to do. We just live in the moment and try and just pushing, being the best at what we can do in the immediate now. Um, then you suddenly opens up options. If you live, if you plan a route and stick to it, that's all you're going to achieve. But if you bring it all down and just open up and lower yourself to like go different ways, then suddenly mm-hmm. you'll be doing things you never thought you were going to be doing. Like I never mountain biked before this weekend. Uh, did it on um, Saturday, Sunday, and I bought a bike yesterday. So I was like, that's something addicted. So <laughs> um, you know, it was never a, a, a route I was going down. It was just something yeah. that's happened, and then now I'm doing it. So. You know, always just push that boundary. If you're scared of it, go with it. And yeah, that's where the rewards come. You don't you don't earn anything by doing nothing. There you go. Powerful quote there yeah. for everyone that I'm sure, like Sam said, can, uh, you know, put that to anything in life. And it, it makes so much sense. So um, you've kind of hinted at a few of the places you want to go next, things you want to do next. Do you be able to share what your yeah. next adventure is? Well, I'm actually, uh, hopefully in September, October, uh, with uh, Cotswold Outdoor, Runners Need, and all these great companies that I work with, we're gonna, I want to do some mini adventures because I've done a massive adventure. So I want to come back to the UK and do like kind of stand up paddleboarding, running, um, hiking, swimming, all that kind of stuff around the UK. And then I think one that's kind of the most challenging for me is I've done a couple of adventures with a friend called Al who came and did Aconcagua with me, a part of the Hey Duke. And our, we all, we always have this conflict of me with speed and him with spirituality. Like he wants to go slowly, he wants to absorb, he wants mm-hmm. to uh, kind of enjoy the moment. So I kind of turned around to him and said, well, maybe my challenge should be coming and doing it your way uh, rather than you coming and doing it my way. So we are planning, COVID allowing, to go to um, Nepal in maybe March or April next year. Yeah, And we're going to do it at his pace and he's going to like, we'll do meditation oh, wow. and it won't be about speed it won't be about your it won't be like this whole Strava thing it'll be living in the moment so that's kind of exciting well that's exciting from the point of view that it'll be very different for you because you set that intention from the Mm. start whereas with Iceland for instance you didn't set that intention you wanted to go at your pace so um in one way it will be a challenge but it won't be ever be or shouldn't be disappointing because that was your intention and that was your objective yeah yeah so hopefully sounds great i'll probably find that i'll probably get more stuck in my head in that situation because i don't have the distraction yeah of pushing yourself you're actually going slowly which allows you to actually spend sit with the thought and actually constructively work through it rather than um escalating in your mind so yeah i'm sure it'll be very enlightening though i'm sure it will i'm looking forward to following you now and uh keeping up with all of these adventures yeah, hopefully I'll be able to do them for a few more years. Body's, body's <laughs> sure holding up. Will. I am getting old. I started a bit late, but um, I'm 34 when I started. I'm now 41. Wow. So uh, I've got to keep the body working, but I wouldn't regret. I, one of the things I always try and point out is everyone's like, oh, it's too late to start. But it's all the stuff that happened in the 12 years where I was doing 
things wrong that allow me to do what I'm doing today. So I don't regret anything in the past because that's what make what whatever you've done to this moment is what brought you to this moment. And as long as you're you happy yeah. in this moment, then yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important message. Just going back to the very beginning where you were talking about where you were getting happiness from and what you what you felt was living or just existing according to what the world sees, what people see, what people expect. It's not, you know, you're now living your, you know, and and meeting challenges and, and getting that sort of self-fulfillment. And mm. even if you can't do what you have done and turned your life completely into that, um, you know, where you want to be in that sense, just to find pockets of that. Time. Um, time yeah. and moments throughout your life if you have got sort of other commitments that wouldn't let you do that I think is is just as important um and a really really good um a really good sort of story from you um and um as Lily says we'll continue to watch you and watch your achievements because yeah on that point just of the whole um I think at the moment everyone is going too quickly everyone's got too much pressure they've got too much uh mental stuff going on that people have to just take, it's running for me is the best way to do it. They have to take yourself out. You have to be selfish and you have to make sure you're happy because if you're not happy, the people around you won't be happy. Um, so you have to focus on you because uh, if you just try to do everything to satisfy everyone else, you will never be happy and that will cause a ripple. So you have to just be selfish, make sure you're mentally happy, physically happy. And I think that has a kind of profound effect on everyone around and then it kind of spreads from there. So. Fantastic. I love that. No, thanks so much, Jamie. I think we could carry on questioning you on yeah. all sorts and asking to see all the photos and God knows what, but we'll we'll let you go and get some rest before your next <laughs> your next well, piece of so work. We can, yeah, we can see your photos on your Instagram. Um, yeah, Jamie is adventuring. Jamie is adventuring. Okay, great. Amazing. And yeah, if you felt inspired by this talk and you want to get into running or look more into exercise and, and need the right equipment, obviously if you're a WW member you can go to runnersneed.com and we will leave, leave the code as well in the description of this podcast so you can use that for the for the discount. But no, thanks so much Jamie for coming on. It's been really, really um, interesting to hear about your adventures and um, I'm sure all of our listeners will have loved it as well. Thank you very much. Great. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.